It's Monica. Today, you are in for a real treat. If you are a longtime Propaganda Report fan and have ever been on a Zoom call with us or popped into the Discord channel, then you actually know this gang. They met through the Propaganda Report and were inspired by the Union of the Unwanted. They call themselves the Union of the Unknowns, and I made my inaugural appearance on their show recently. It was a blast. Here it is. We are a group of friends bound by our appreciation for liberty and good podcasting. Free-minded thinkers from all walks of life, our values come together with one accord to discuss the common culture and news of the day, along with whatever random crap is going on in our lives. Welcome to the Union of the Unknowns. Welcome to another episode of Union of the Unknowns, where we have one of our founding mothers or fathers, whatever she identifies as, uh, from the Propaganda Report, and now Monica's Deep Dives. And uh, welcome, Monica. <laughs> Thank you. Could I be like uh, the pod mother? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah. Whatever you can identify. Allegedly, nowadays, you can identify whatever you want to identify as. I would like to but, identify as the pod mother of the Union of the Unknowns. Okay, yes. Thanks. Well, you got it. Who is fantabulous and he's my own our own special renaissance man i mean look at the mustache and then uh we have brewski bruce howdy <laughs> who is uh one of my favorite northerners and then my favorite brit is terry and Hello. then hi um and then we have stella stella hello She's i'm giving my mustache to myself on. And then we have tunes. Am I here? Welcome. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're good. You sound great. Hey. That's a great little rig you got there. Yeah, not bad, eh? Not bad. <laughs> no, not tunes, bad. Tunes from the 603, the future free state. How are nice. you? Nice. Nice. So welcome, Monica. We're so excited to have you on. Um, thank you for helping us get this started and being able to uh, get authorization, um, you and Sam, uh, to be able to utilize the name of Union of the Unknowns, because we know you are on Union of the Unwanted uh, as a regular uh, guest or co-host or whatever they call you. Regular guest, there. I'm sure. is the most I could yeah. aspire to, and it's really a privilege. <laughs> So, yeah, so we just wanted to really kind of just touch base with you, kind of see what's going on with the deep dives um, and then uh, what your plan is with that. And then I have like a couple of questions that I've always wanted to ask. And I think other people, they want to just bring up specific topics and see where it flows. Like we just like to flow with everything. Great. That's great. Sounds good. That's what I like. And the time will fly by, no doubt. So that's absolutely uh, a good plan. And, and we know you we have a hard cut in an hour. So, oh, know. who? Because of me? Well, we know you like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like with so many people, I've allotted definitely an hour and a half because that way we can all, oh, okay. we might not even awesome. get started, but although I'm totally fine, however you want to do it, totally fine. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, um, so I wanted to, one of my first questions, and then I'd love to hear what everyone else has to say as well. Um, but like, what is your favorite conspiracy? You know, I'm starting to think that I'm not that much of a conspiracy theorist. Like everything that I think is obviously true. Like they're obviously up there making plans and pushing them down on us. And I feel like anyone who thinks, because I used to be worried, like, what if my kids, you know, they, they're check my kids' social media when they're applying for college and they find me. And I'm like, and then they listen to it and they hear me talking about the powers that be, Johns Hopkins, the World Health Economic Forum and all this stuff conspiring for eventual. And it's like, but like everybody knows that and seems not to care. It's kind of like the JFK assassination is that doesn't everybody know that? And they just kind of gloss over the fact that the in every government since then has been suppressing the truth about that. Like everybody just kind of, it's like Seymour Hirsch and 9-11. It's like, 
you used to know that was an inside job, but now I'm a conspiracy theorist. So, I mean, I guess the thing that I think is the funniest is the dinosaur thing. Like, that's just so funny because they're so totally fake. And then people think I'm really crazy when I think that. And I'm like, but the craziest part is that that one is the most obvious. Can we, like, uh, they're ridiculous. Can we hop into that one a little bit? Um, Absolutely. I, I haven't really well, I brushed up on the, on the evidence before, like lately, but I did that whole show with the Tower Power Gang, which was supposed to be named Dinosaurs Are Fake. And they picked up on one little thing that I said and instead <laughs> named the episode Ron Paul Sex Dreams. And I just feel like it was misleading. <laughs> But that's a good source. I did a lot of research for that episode. So let me, I can look up my notes while we're chatting. Uh, from what I remember off the top of my head, there were two competing scientists that were in uh, almost like a space race. And they all each wanted to find the next biggest, greatest uh, T-Rex or whatever you want to call it. They wanted to name uh, dinosaurs after themselves. So they were more or less uh, making up that this is a T-Rex femur and this is how a T-Rex looked. And then the next guy would say, oh, this is a whatever, name name your dinosaur. And this is its, you know, fingernail. And I can build, uh, I can build this dinosaur based off of this okay, fingernail. Right. We, um, um, we, yeah. we touched on this uh, um, uh, ourselves a few episodes back and um, Kiel, I think, was more um, dinosaurs a real sort of person. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Kiel. Uh, I, I I don't want to be Mr. Sit on the Fence, but I, I think it's like a lot of science these days that there's a lot of fakery that goes on. Um, there's a lot of sort of ridiculous assumptions being made from very thin evidence, as far as I can see. But I, I haven't looked into it enough. I, I think there might be a kernel of truth in there, but... For sure, when you see a, a lot of dinosaur exhibits, you know, and, and Kiel knows an exception to this rule, but a lot of dinosaur exhibits you see in museums have just been made up, really, based on what someone else said, uh, say, a T-Rex looks like. So they find a bit of bone and they construct a model from it. So I think they go a bit far in some of these assumptions, I mean, particularly when they say crazy things like, you know, oh, yeah, they were warm-blooded and... You know, they they sounded like this, and you know, it's just uh, they can't possibly know. Okay. At, at, at this point, uh, sorry, kill, go, kill, kill, kill. I was gonna say we can't know all those details, but you know, fossils do exist, right? Or is that just no, something you don't? They do disagree? not, and and they, they admit not. that they don't. And this is what I'm looking for. This was the thing that was just like, are you kidding me? It's on my computer. Died here, but um. It's on the, I believe it's the American Museum of Natural History. I'll, I'll have it up here in a second. But it's on the on the main page. It says uh, those aren't even really bones. And it goes into how uh, fossils cannot actually, like carbon-based matter, whatever, organic matter, absolutely cannot last that long. So the bones that you see this thing claims is actually, so there was a bone and it was embedded somehow in granite or something. And then the granite. Uh, oh, they got her. Did you guys talk to Monica about this before? Like the dinosaur thing? Cause Justin had just literally mentioned it inside the uh, discord. It's a fun one and it, it gets floated around a lot. But you guys uh, didn't uh, mention anything to her about it before this? Uh-uh. No, but she's That's talked so about crazy. it. She's, she's honest, though. It's uh, Osmos or whatever, oh, like, migrated. Oh, 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 Monica, you froze. Monica, you froze, you froze up. No, we didn't yeah. get, like, the last 30 seconds. You totally froze. Yeah, the dinosaur people to you. There's a, there's a bunch of angry paleontologists outside our house That's cutting right. wires. Shut it down. down. <laughs> The T-Rex. Oh. <laughs> Did she go off? Maybe she's going to come back on. Uh, Maybe. What she was going to say is is true. I can come in here and, and fill in some gaps. What she was going to say is true to the extent that the bone, you know, bones don't last. But what I believe happens is they be it sort of becomes mineralized, and it typically gets laid down in something like mud. And the the, the theory is that the um, 
the sort of uh, bits of rock penetrate into the holes in the bone and then the, the bone deteriorates over time, but it leaves the sort of hard rock impression of the bone behind. So what you're seeing is not bone, she's right, it's it's like a rock impression. And then uh, over into years, this, who this says said, they're bones though? Pressed. Okay, sorry. Who's who's okay. who's walking around saying that they are actual bones? No, no, but this is what I was telling you is that the even the fossils are not. They said that the that the that the rock matter gets into the bone and looks exactly like the bone, even though it's now rock. And so the the idea is that it's like petrified. But if you actually go and look at petrified wood, which is a real thing, it doesn't look like wood. It it looks it's the shape and everything of wood, but it's like blue and green. It's whatever the quartz that penetrated it is. It doesn't look like the original thing. So these bones are supposedly bone-shaped relics of bones that were in the stone. And I feel like the way they excavate it and everything, they're really just creating these things out of whole cloth. Or they're taking bones that can't possibly be bo actual dinosaur bones because there's they're too many, too old, to the point where there there's several occasions where paleontologists have found chicken meat on bones on dinosaur bones and instead of saying this is a chicken bone they're saying this completely blows up our conception of how long fresh meat can last honest to goodness so though and then they take those stone bones and they make clay replicas of them or duplicates of them, and then they construct these skeletons. So it's kind of like the moon landing. I someone needs to prove it to me because all all anyone ever really says is, "Come on!" It's like, how could they get away with that? You know, that's just that's not good enough for me. Uh, well, I've got I've got an analogy for you. I, I think it's kind of like virology. Uh, you know, I've looked into virology a lot after COVID, and there's just not a lot of there there because they do the same sort of thing. There's, there's very little evidence. They base the whole thing off and then they they extrapolate hugely. And, you know, viruses, as far as I can see, that cause disease have never been isolated properly in, in, in my definition, meaning separated from everything else. They've never been shown to cause disease. So I, I think dinosaurs, uh, I've not looked into it in great depth, but it could be the same sort of thing going on, I feel. And I, I feel like with the viruses, like this whole idea of the priests of the electron microscope, when you see their the electron microscope images, I feel like they're often, if not always, enhanced yeah. so that like it, it then all of a sudden depicts in a way that you can visualize what they are otherwise saying. Well, yeah. it doesn't look like anything to you, but we priests can read that hieroglyphics and we can tell you what it looks like and what it would look like is a big red thing with yellow spikes all over it but you know that's just because we know what that would look like you know it's just yeah. so yeah and i actually think with the viruses i mean i definitely caught that covid twice and once was when i was talking to a, a person who was vaxxed and the second time it was i was like two inches away from somebody who was basically coughing in my mouth. I was walking past my daughter in the hallway and she's like, in my face, I could feel it. And I was like, whatever. She came down with COVID the next day and I got it the day after that. So you can say that that didn't really happen that way, but she was working in like some daycare and it, and it, whatever. I got a positive test for it. I don't know. I'm just, people are like, that. you're so full of it. It's not true. It's like, okay, but all this. However, I will still say that I think and and now it's coming out. It's coming out that it was totally artificial. Like I, the lab leak theory was all a setup so that when they identified it as totally artificial, the first conclusion wouldn't be they did this on purpose. So they set up that whole lab leak theory for a year so that when the truth came out, but I said the first time I got it, this thing is artificial. And then I started thinking that, that they, they, they created a genetic thing that could do stuff. Whereas in nature, I'm not sure it ever could, it ever but could. feels like they, they did create that, that it was a gain of function thing. It was a bioweapon and they can call it viruses now, but I think they created that. 
but they I do like wrong. to uh they do like to slow roll these things too it reminds me of like the war in iraq that now everybody is consensus like that was bullshit you know uh call, <clears throat> call it whoever you want to call it but it wasn't for uh to get the terrorists it kind of feels like the, the lab leak thing is that they're, they're just trying to uh stretch it out give it enough distance to where we've had enough current things and and now 10 years from now oh it came from a lab but what are we going to do about it now you know it's it's yeah. whatever the next current thing is they kind of slow roll <laughs> Can I just say, I have to admit that I've really never bought the whole Rand Paul Fauci act at all. Um, I think that's just, yeah, they're just actors following Agreed. the script. It's it's just a distraction. I, I've never really gone along with this whole lab thing, actually. But what does that say about Ron Paul? Like, that's I know, just I, weird. I always have a hard time criticizing yeah, I, Ron I, yeah, Paul because I like there. his dad. <laughs> so much. Yeah, like, I, so too many much. people like Ron Paul. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm gonna well, I mean, you can say I just I can't find he has never done anything that's made me scratch my head, even to where he did not call 9-11 out as an inside job, you know, as a sitting congressman. I think, or So I just feel like that's was reasonable. It was a reasonable thing for him to do. And there's just nothing else that's sketchy. Whereas a lot of the rant stuff. I mean, I don't know why he chooses to go down the paths he does, but they don't they're not they don't stand up to scrutiny as well as the dad. And. The other one was Judge Napolitano. Like he had that great show on Fox and they cut him off at the knees. And I just, I haven't heard from him basically since. And that he was a real guy, super tight with Ron well, Paul. It's, it's an oldie, but a goodie, isn't it? There's always got to be a hero. I think that's what Ron Paul is. He's the hero. He's the good guy. There's got to be a good guy. I have no evidence about it. I don't know whether he's a Mason or not, but I have read certain things about that. Um, and being his age, he wouldn't be a low, you're, you're muted. I was about to say that end exactly. of the day, still a politician. Exactly. I was just talking to Bruce yesterday about, I, I had a, a conversation with a local politician, very local politician. And he, he gave a speech and I wanted to shake his hand after and say, you know, I'm considering registering to vote now because of your speech. And even in just a five minute conversation, he gave me three or four canned answers. And I'm like, Oh, you're not an actual person. Like yes. you're just, even though you're on my team, like you're on saying things that I want to hear, you have just canned answers. You're not like one of the guys. You're a politician. Yeah. So with the Mason thing, though, to you, so you're saying he would have to be high enough up to be in on it? He's not a young man. Right. But I mean, is it possible to... I mean, I have a friend who owns a restaurant and he's like, you know, you're always knocking or you have that other guy. You're always knocking Masons. And, you know, I just have to warn you, I'm a Mason. And all we do is like good works. And I get that at the low levels. That is definitely, I think, what it is. And even when you read the exposés. I guess I have to think of it this way. I mean, I can't, I'm not afraid of like blowing everybody up. I just feel like at some point, if someone really never says or does anything wrong, you could say that, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the nature of like the dialectic. You have to have people on both sides. I don't know. It just, it gets really well, exhausting to remember. It's like the ghost of Kiev, you know, there's always got to be a hero, but you know, he was as real as no, nothing. <laughs> he wasn't. Um, so I don't know. It's just an old tactic. There's always got to be a Cape well, Crusader. But how about that? Give people hope because if there's no Cape Crusader, no one's going to have any hope about anything. Yeah, that is a good point. That's absolutely a good point. And that as actually totally, that convinces me then. But I but I would say like Thomas Jefferson and Martin Luther King both had like some pretty serious personal foibles. They yet, sure did. What they had, you know, but yet they they leave a legacy that has to some extent, if not entirely, like real value. So scripted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know Thomas Jefferson literally scripted it himself and went out of his way to throw Patrick Henry under the bus so that he wouldn't be the dominant foundational figure. But you still get, you know, you still get the Bill of Rights. I don't know. I mean, you know, at a certain point, you're like a nihilist, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But nobody stands up to complete scrutiny, do they? I mean, everyone's got, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, 
Kiel knows, he's a software person himself. I, I, I could have worked for a lot of dodgy companies uh, in my software career. And I could have ended up working at GCHQ as a young man, for example, because, the, you know, that was one of the jobs I applied for. And, you know, I was young and stupid. I didn't know any, any better at the time. So I think most people, if you look into their backgrounds, you know, you'll find one or two dodgy connections. And I'm just not prepared to believe that everyone, for example, who's a Fed is a bad guy. You know, I think there's a lot of good people in there. I'm not talking about people being bad personally. It's just that if they're following a certain, if they've got a certain job, they have to follow a certain script and a certain agenda, don't they? There's got to be some compromise somewhere. Anyway, that's just my opinion. <laughs> Monica, oh. if you could turn it all around and like take like the blue pill and before like you really like opened your eyes up to your eyes were opened up to a lot of things, do you think you would do it? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think the ultimate truth is probably glorious. So I'm still on the path and the, you know, the valley is shady, but I assume I have to believe there's a, there's a good, I don't, I would not, I don't want to just be, you know, a gaping maw pouring cocktails and, you know, whatever, even if it's caviar and champagne, like I just, that's just gross to me. And I think the human, human being is so distinct from anything else on earth. There has to be, we have this capacity for abstract thought. And I believe we have, uh, you know, this, the things that we are born with, like the ability to understand right from wrong, reason, free will, all these things. I feel like it would be, I I, re I rarely think of anything as truly sinful, but I feel like it would be a sin to deny those gifts and just indulge the sensory pleasures of oblivion and, you know, really delicious cocktails. But <laughs> so I would not. However, I might. I don't see what I was going to say is I might have thought of a better way to go about this journey like i'm not sure it's the greatest thing for kids to be like red pilled along the way although things got desperate i mean i had to just i couldn't i i you only have a certain amount of time with these kids and then they get plugged into the matrix so i think you have to get ahead of it even if it isn't great for them um but even now like i just i wonder I just I feel like I'm on the verge of a big breakthrough, just a just a real. And unfortunately, I think it's going to get me back to where I started, which is not going to make me any friends. Like, I'm not sure I really have. I really struggle with the whole idea of God as a person. I'm going to meet him after I die. But but the explanatory power of you know, of everything about like our, that we definitely have like soul, spirit, abstract thought, like we're evolution couldn't possibly mathematically be true. Like the infinite or what appears to be, it's probably not infinite, but the universe is just ridiculous. It just never stops and we'll never crack that code. And I bet the laws of math and science that we think we know here just don't apply at the very fringes. Like there's, it's just too, it's just too huge and it came out of nowhere and it's and it's order out of chaos for real. Like I just think there's probably a big, big fifth dimensional answer and I want to get there. Um and I you just can't get you can't can't get you have to take the first step and the second step and the third step. And I think that's why we're here. And then at the, you know, when you're a hundred and you take that last step, hopefully you're you got you're ready, <laughs> you know, for the next step. Yeah, that's we make it to 100. I always tell my kids that because they worry about my mom. Mm. You know, she's 93, and like, like, or particularly my son who has Down syndrome, he gets nervous about things. So I try to tell him, like, it's like, are you going to die? I'm like, no, we're all going to, you know, take care of yourself. We're all going to live to 100. <laughs> He's like, okay, just keeps him from worrying. He freaked out because he saw me color my hair, take the gray out. 
And he just like lost his mind. He was just like, you're a grandma. You're going to die. I'm like, I'm not a grandma. I'm prematurely gray. I'm prematurely gray. <laughs> That's okay. I'm graying too already. It's okay. I just did that. Yeah, it could be sexy. I don't know. I just, I haven't tried it yet. And I think it would be erratic. I started, I literally started coloring my hair when it was like, I had like three gray hairs. So, so that no one would ever notice. I thought it was kind of clever, but now I'm stuck. So, it's a good, a good kind of dying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, the dying before dying. That's a good question, Jackie. Uh, about the blue, yeah. About the yeah. blue pill. Um, what about y'all? I, I was thinking about that when, when you were speaking. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would want to go back into the matrix, right? Because, I mean, previous to this, it was, uh, you know, football and hockey and beers and who gives a shit, you know? And now there's, <clears throat> I mean, this is a more personal journey, but uh, I have more things to care about. And uh, it's better to care about the big picture rather than um, the politicians know what they're doing. And uh, my boss knows how to do his job. And and uh, the cop is a good guy. And um, I think it's better to be aware of uh, the dangers out there than it is to be blue-pilled and in the matrix, though. Also, you have actually, you have come to a self-actualization that I just, I'm overly burdened. I've told this before where my sister who had, was a total junkie, had nothing, whatever. And I had discovered yoga, which is probably bad. I know like my priest friend is going to be like, that's bad, 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 bad. But I read the yoga sutras and I was talking to her. I was like, you're so lucky. Like you have nothing. You could actually do this. You could actually free yourself from desire and live this life. Whereas I can't, I've got three kids in diapers. I've got a husband who's very plugged in, you know, got to work, got to do this, got to do that. I have absolutely no freedom over like the true lifestyle choice, but tunes, I know you and a lot of other people in this group and in our groups have taken that blue that red pill and translated it into a different way of living so like my mother was like when she was 19 she decided she couldn't answer the question of if there's a god or not but she just knew it was a better way to live and like she did that and she could do that within the framework of whatever normal economics but you could actually change your life and i i noticed this from reading kaczynski but and also talking to bellamy the green anarchist and stuff that the that creatives and Chad and Lanny, the creative stuff of like literally creating life. I, I was listening to your toxic masculinity episode about, you know, women, everybody came from it. I'm always like, I tell my, my sons, like, why are girls so crazy? And I'm like, hey, man, we are human being factories. We make human beings with our bodies. We should be propped up on pillows all the time. You guys should be feeding us grapes and chocolate. And just massaging our feet. We make human beings with our bodies. So if you can tap into that by growing a chicken, you know, like you're, that's all you need. And you will die. Like you can look back on your life and be like, this life was, you know, worthwhile. Like I grew chickens and fed my babies and they are alive. And like, that's the real purpose. Like that's back to Eden. I guess before, well, after the fall, but <laughs> before the agricultural tax state. So I feel like you've, for you, the red pill translated into like immediate, oh, obviously this is the way to live. And now you're living it. Even if it's backbreaking work, my my sense is that it's highly satisfying and the creative process in general is highly satisfying. Uncle Ted was right. <laughs> Yeah, and and that's what, like for the smartest guy in the world at the time, basically potentially, or in the country or in his generation to to find that like carving out your own necessities was the most satisfying thing you could do. I mean, that says a lot. There's a lot being very quiet. I know, Keel. Let's hear it. Of about taking a blue pill, I, I you know I don't know what it would be like because I I don't remember. I mean I, I've been, you know, was I ever blue pilled? 
kind of, you know, I've always kind of always thought about these kinds of things and never, never was I staunchly mainstream ever, even in high school. And I don't know. I, I don't know what that means really blue pilled apart from if it's, if it means to give up the, the things that I think about nowadays, I don't want to do that. I don't know what that would be like. That sounds boring to me. Yeah, I remember. I the, sorry, but the point is that conforming can make your life a lot easier, can it? I think that's the point. Yeah, I know, but I've, I've never ever wanted to do that. I, I mean, I remember <laughs> being a kid and being furious when people would tell me to do something without explaining to me why I needed yeah. to do that thing when it yes. didn't make any sense to me. You know. I remember yeah. the first time I met you, Keel. Do you remember that? Of course. Was it at the uh, yeah, that the uh, barbecue place? Holy yeah, smokes! Praise, praise the Lord! Oh, praise the Lord! I think that's <laughs> praise the Lord. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was praise the Lord. And I remember they asked WSB asked me if I needed security, and I said, "Actually, all these guys are packing, <laughs> so yeah. there it was open carry. It was the." most <laughs> was the safest I've ever felt in my entire life and yeah. you you remember what you said to me yeah I, I was saying I had I had my uh pistol in my car and I thought I said Dude, should I wear that when I come to this thing I don't know these people are probably going to be kind of weird about that and I walked in and it was just a sea of <laughs> glocks and <laughs> revolvers on people's hips and i was like okay well <laughs> no need to I go to the like, car <laughs> we're good <laughs> yeah. so but what you said to me was uh hey i just uh i just wanted to check you out and see if you were real and because you answered everybody's <laughs> questions you had no notes there's nothing in your ear it was an hour and a half of just question 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 and you're like yeah you passed my test I was like, yeah. hey, that's, hey, that's thanks, what dude. I, I, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't sure if I wanted to go to the event at all. And I thought, well, you know, I, I really like listening to her, but, you know, I, I got to go and I got to see what she's all about. And then, uh, yeah, like, just like you said, I, I, you were up, you stood up in front of this big restaurant full of people who were all just, uh, you know, it was a conservative group Super of Georgia or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I was talking to a couple of them and, and they, I mean, it's kind of like what you'd expect. And I thought, all right, well, these people are going to have some questions for. And you went up there and you did your little spiel and then you took questions and people asked you stuff that, you know, it, it wasn't, they weren't plants. I, I can no, attest no. to that. And no. uh, you just rattled off perfectly answered whatever. And yeah. So, I well, mean, there was no, it was a place that was free from cocktails. So <laughs> I can, I was really on yeah. my game. And I, and I remember one time, another event I went to was at a bar and it was a guy who wrote a book. He was a conservatarian. And then another guy who was a conservative and I was supposed to be the libertarian. And those two guys were drinking beers. And I was like, Hmm. I think they're underestimating me. <laughs> I definitely would never drink a beer if I thought I was actually going to have a debate with somebody. Right. Uh, and I don't, I don't know how. That, I think that one one went pretty well. But I feel like when you're, you know, an, an hour or whatever of just a rapid fire question, you have to be on your game. And even when I was on the radio, I used to have terrible. I was always nervous, super nervous, till the very last show, like for eight and a half years, super super nervous every single show. And I remember I had one producer who's always like. You can always have a Heineken. I was like, no way. Like, A, that would make me stop thinking. But B, I just thought, what a crutch that would be. But I remember with that, all those guns and everything, I just, I made a notice, like, I'm pretty happy that this is a uh, a dry restaurant. So, but yes, I attribute, I must have had an extra cup of coffee that day because I could really take the blows. Although they were very nervous that, um, who was it that... Was it Hillary and who was, oh, nice mug. Thank you. Who was, who was running? There was somebody running. Who was running that time? That was early on. That was like 10, 2012. It must've been Obama. I suppose. I don't, I don't recall. I don't know. Everyone was worried about an election. Anyway, we're really off a tangent now. Sorry about that. 
But I was just attesting to the fact that you've always been a skeptic. Sorry, Terry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying you go way back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wait until we should ask this question to him again, Monica. After him and Eric Canary do their 9 11 episode, because (laughs) he doesn't think it was in a job, and Terry's going to school him on it. (laughs) Wow. Have you seen the. No, let me let me tell you. I don't, I know, I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm saying uh, just like the moon landing and just like the dinosaurs. We're going to have to agree to disagree on the final conclusion because they're faking gay. <laughs> yeah, I, it, every every I want to be on that side of things, but every documentary I watch and every every uh, thing that I research, I, I cannot make that final connection. It, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh, pan out for me in the way that it does for some of the other guys. And. I, I want Terry to give me some things to research that are definitive that will just knock me over on the other side. That's what I want. I want to believe. Uh, I think things. that's great. I mean, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, but uh, uh, I, I like the fact that you're very skeptical about this. It's the way we should be. We should all be skeptical yeah. about stuff. should always be skeptical. should always like, question. Uh, <clears throat> you question should invite Byron on one time because Byron, who you remember from the Zoom parties, he wrote me an email. It's like the best email ever. He said, I love listening to you and I only agree with you half the time. And I'm, I just love that because that's just somebody who wants to go back and forth. And he's like you. He's like, I, I'm not going to err on the side of the more radical position. I'm just not going to do that. Like, so I'm on the opposite side. I start with it's fake, like Stella. But the new Pearl Harbor, that five hour documentary by. Um, oh, that's really good. Yeah, the Italian one. <clears throat> uh, I highly recommend that. Massimo Mazzucco, yeah. Yes, who I Very interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> Keel so, uh, so watched his Apollo film and he wasn't convinced by that, were you, Keel? The American yes. Moon? Or... American, American Moon, I watched yes, that. American right Moon. after you had you brought it up and I, I was like, oh, great, that's that's going to be it. And I watched it. And well, he was, it he was just speaking to the, to the photographers. Mainly right. to the he, he was a photographer. He's a fashion yeah. photographer. So that was just one element of it. I heard a, I heard a fact, well, a fact, I heard a thing about the moon landing the other day, which I thought was rather convincing that I hadn't heard before, or maybe I had, but I'd forgotten. Either way, um, the backpacks and the suits uh, were apparently too big to fit out the door of the little unit. <laughs> I'd have to really see that though. See, that's the thing. Like even the Van Allen radiation belts, like I really can't, there's no yeah. way for me to verify that. Like, mm. I don't know what that even means. Exactly. But they did say that they went through it and now they can't go through it. Yeah. I did see them. Yeah, they haven't that. got yeah. the technology anymore. I mean, yeah. what are we? What are we chopped liver? Yeah, that's <laughs> a little crazy. And the Elon Musk thing, like I just aha that. It, last night we saw one of his rockets take off a couple of like last week and this was my fourth proof that the earth is round that we are globe earthers my fourth proof because we're watching this my husband loves this stuff he's screaming in the house come quick come quick and i'm, I'm thinking what what could it be what could this possibly be they're just screaming we come out and it's a rocket so a rocket is taking off and we're watching it go, watching it go, watching it go. And my son says, that's going straight up. And it was so freaky because we were clearly zipping away out from under that thing real fast. And then we saw it like separate and all of that. And and last night I was in a spot where I had seen a, another time I had seen a SpaceX rocket with the, with the fuel that looks like fluorescent. It's not real fuel, which completely validates not traditional rocket fuel, which totally validates Werner von Braun, who said you can't get to the moon with this combustible fuel because it's too heavy to get off the ground and get back again. Like that, you're not doing that. I'm not working on it. You'll need a different kind of fuel. So when I saw in the sky this crazy thing and I looked it up, I was like, that was a SpaceX rocket because they have different fuel. And I'm thinking, <laughs> Elon Musk is running this thing that's gonna privately go to the moon. Come on and like why isn't it battery powered 
There you go. <laughs> that would be his so uh, But it's definitely the government. It's obviously the government. And it's out. What I was seeing was out here, which is like wedged between Caltech and JPL and the place where Jack Parsons blew himself up in some satanic rocket experiment or something. So uh, I just feel like it's so preposterous this, this, that that is not just a government front the way I think Facebook is just a government front and his whole thing. But yeah, I feel like whatever they're doing now but is as far Elon as they've Musk, gotten. Hmm? Elon Musk is a bit of a government front, isn't he? Like, totally. Everything military, he does. industrial. Yeah, yeah. And all the money. So comes from the so government. logical for him, yeah. Yeah. Did this new Jeff Bezos rocket, did that also look like a... As dick? a penis? <laughs> it's an aerodynamic design. I mean, the aerodynamic these penis. are all, it's always designed to like I'm just... Don't even forget it. Circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's the right design for such things. Nice. Bruce Bruce, what about you? Do you think the moon landing was fake? And gay or real or what? I, I don't. <laughs> I've seen some pretty sketchy looking shit that they say landed on the moon that was made out of aluminum foil and coat hangers. I, I don't. I wasn't there, but. And isn't it 250 degrees on the moon? The thing didn't have a radiator. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was another one. <laughs> it's just very strange that they said that they, they did it and now they can't. Yeah, I know someone that that to that alone is enough that smells like shit. It's yeah, ridiculous. They, didn't and they, they destroy they all the tapes? Yes. Come on. For, yeah. They, NASA yeah. couldn't afford <laughs> blank fucking tapes. So they <laughs> taped, reruns of, taped over the greatest. Of, yeah. Come on, Kiel. Come on. <laughs> no, there were some good episodes of I Love Lucy on. Come on, man. Stuff, they weren't good tapes. <laughs> Come on, Kiel. What do you say to that? I Kiel believes in dinosaurs in space. That one. What? <laughs> uh, I think it's. I think that's completely ridiculous that they they wouldn't have kept stuff like that. They would have overwritten the tapes or whatever. But I know that uh, I heard another story uh, outside of that before I even heard about the the NASA tapes that um, back back way back when, for example, uh, at the BBC they have the old Doctor Who tapes. And they overwrote those. And those episodes are gone now. And so that was just a matter of... That was, that was probably the inspiration the for the bullshit then. story. There's a crossover there. Uh, could be. Yeah, but I, I, also, the point is, the point is that, right. the point is that, that, that kind of practice existed in reporting... No, on, but not the moonland. Hang on, I, hold on, hold on. I, got okay, okay, Terry, go ahead. I don't know. They did. They did. But um, they didn't, you know, they were just making it what they thought was a TV program. They didn't realize it was going to be some become some iconic series that everyone would want to see. But they did sucked. not take over and things sucked, like yeah. recordings <laughs> of the coronation, for example. They've still got those because they thought this is a historical thing. We'll keep this. That's a good point. Tame. Yeah. And um, tape was very expensive. So they had to utilize what they had. And uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think it's a good point, but I'm not sure that that proves anything that that they were. Well, it certainly eliminates happen. the possibility of them proving it to us, which is in itself telling. And well, now that they can't prove it, then if it's they not had proven. a tape, a videotape of them walking on the moon, would you believe that anyway? I, I think it, well, you could certainly scrutinize it. They do have who's, a videotape who's, of them walking on the have? moon. Well, it's not yeah. now. It's a copy, so you can't really, right? It's digital, yeah. so you can't really yeah. scrutinize yeah. it. But if you well, had a yeah. negative, you could scrutinize it. But who the was filming them getting out yeah. of the spaceship? I know. There's a story about that. If they just... Yeah. yeah. Camera there, some, there's some bullshit. I mean, I used to lie a lot. Like, I used to be able... I used to have a fake ID, and I would get stopped by cops, and I would just lie all the time. I could weave... A story that we explain. I remember once I had an ID that said I was five years older than I was, but I was with my friend from high school who was like 17. And they're like, how do you, he says, how do you know each other? I'm like, we go to school together. It's like, you're five years older than her. You go to school together. And I, I was immediately like, well, we're on the same bus route. And I was in 12th grade and she was in seventh grade. So we always knew each other. And now blah, 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 blah. I would just, I could just make up a story that would pull together any, I mean, so, and the cops would even say, man, you're good. 
you know. Yeah, well, you went and to they, law school too, didn't you? So. <laughs> now, well, then answer. But I just, you know, they knew it was bullshit, but they couldn't really prove it because it hung together and then they'd have to take me down. I'm like, it would be so pathetic. So I just feel like you can spin a tail that connects lots and lots of dots. And then when when you hit a, a wall, be like, oh, yeah, well, we lost that. I, I don't know. So so I'm just saying the onus of proof is on them. And you are saying the onus of proof is not on them, which I get from you because you're saying like the weight of 7 billion people, uh, you know, fooling that many people. It's it's hard thinking of all the people who had to be involved who would not reveal the truth or um, why, the why and how far ahead of it they had to go. You're just going to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's so not necessarily. I don't. I don't think that just because everybody else might believe it, that mean that that suddenly means that that's the the default. But I look at it now uh, as you know what would what would it look like if they actually landed on the moon? Because there's no way for me to there's no way for me to go prove there's there's no amount of evidence they could show me that I could sit down and say, oh yeah, no, this is the technical. Uh, configuration of a rocket that would be required to do and the the pressurization of the capsule would have to be this i i wouldn't be able to do that so but what would it look like to me if it actually happened that's what it would look like is what we've got well the thing but that but but that's that's (laughs) the first point the second point that convinces well convinces me but is that all of the arguments against it actually happening have have not carried a whole lot of weight for me they there's been too many of them that just are silly i only have don't one. make any sense at all i cannot get my mind around and no one has ever explained it to me how there was a rocket up in the air and those guys took a little thing popped down to the surface and popped back up to a fucking rocket that was in the air like i don't think the the rocket landed on the moon and then blasted off the moon again. It was up there and they reconnected. Doesn't make with any it sense. So why, no. why isn't the guy who, or the entity, the thing that was taking the pictures of them getting off the, you know, climbing down the ladder, you know, how could they not show me a picture of that or show me a picture of where, of the, of the way the, the what only justification, scientific justification for going to the moon besides getting some moon rocks would be to get that triangulation point of the universe, you know, to get a picture of the stars. That would be the only reason to do it. Like think of, you know, can you imagine what the Greeks would have done with that information? Like that is information. So get that information and show it to me. And they didn't, you know, I don't know. I don't have that information. And, and the thing about uh, them, like, popping down and then popping back up. I can't get my mind around that. And no one's ever explained it to me. I just feel like logic, like that's silly. That's a silly claim. Yep. We don't know. You're Sorry. right. Yeah, we don't know. And that's that's fine. What about me. the teacher when they were going up to, was it the moon or whatever? I was in school at the time, so I don't really remember. But the Talk teacher when they were going, she they died because the rocket blew up. Were they going to the moon too, right? Oh, no, they weren't, that they was weren't the no. shuttle. Yeah, that was the just space shuttle. Two shuttles, in fact, two shuttles yeah. right? Oh. Columbia as well. So where yeah, were they trying to go when one? they just, just blew up? Just in, the in sky? orbit. Yeah, they, they, uh, they're, they're, they were either just going to orbit or they may have been headed up towards, uh, what was this? Not Space Lab, but... Uh, space Station, yeah, one of those. The International Space Station, yeah, possibly. No, that wasn't, that wasn't around then. There was the... No, I think Americans just, had, had a lab. Uh, Skylab? Was in orbit. What's that? <laughs> I remember when Skylab, Skylab. was falling. Skylab, yeah, that Skylab. was in the early 80s. Yeah. That was that's, before... That's when, that's when the challenge was. That was before was. the explosion. No, that and was the, the, the... I remember when Skylab was falling. <clears throat> yeah, everyone so obviously helmets to school. Older than you people. No, I remember, I remember when they landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> Didn't they use like less computer power than we have in our phones currently Definitely. to get them to the back. moon? Yeah, uh, less than a pocket calculator, actually. Yeah. So, what's the reason Whoa. that they're saying they can't do it again now? What's the reason they're putting forward? Well, they it's just destroyed ridiculous. the technology. 
all the plans, you know, and we, you know, we can't, you know, we don't know how we built it and we can't do that again because we'll be able to, presumably like the tapes, you know, we, we had to draw a nice picture for our children. So we drew all over the plans and, you know, we, we lost them. Sorry. <laughs> so well, there that was were orbiters. in 1985. Yeah, I remember yeah. watching that in school and it exploded and it was like, whoop, whoop, turn it off and wheel the TV out. Don't. Yep. Everybody's yeah. like, what the hell? I remember yeah, my I sister was... blamed Reagan for putting a civilian up there because he was so arrogant. Do we all know the crazy conspiracy theory that the Challenger astronauts are still alive? Yeah, I've yes. seen that one. I've heard that. I've heard that. It's a good one. And certainly the people they found look an awful lot like the originals. Some of them have the same names. Yeah, some of them have the same names. So yeah. what would or have the agenda Bra been to fake that? Maybe to put an end to that particular program um, because yeah, they wanted to divert the money elsewhere or something like that. It was it was horrendously or to expensive. create a new thing. Yeah. Every, every launch was like a hundred times more expensive than they planned because they planned to be able to reuse this thing, and basically every time they used it, they had to more or less rebuild it. Yeah. Because it got yeah. so damaged in re-entry. So yeah, maybe they did want to sort of knock it on the head. Mm. And then maybe they use that as an excuse to stop going up and stop spending yeah, exactly. that money or something like that. So, exactly. so my, one other question I actually had uh, for you is, so when you look at a lot of stuff now, like if I know we, none of us, I don't watch the news either. Like my news is like all from like you and Brad and like everybody else, like on podcasts and stuff. Um, but when you read or do your research or do you think everything, are you like so skeptical of everything now that since you've had to do like, because I know that I've gotten more conspiracy mind and stuff like that since I've been hanging out with this crew and uh, it's definitely opened up to my eyes to even more things. And I was like super like questioned everything even before that. So I do assume that every single story has an agenda behind it. And I am really skeptical, like the, even to the point of like the Facebook layoffs, I thought, why, what are they doing here? Did they overhire on purpose to justify firing everybody to outsource to India or to make it AI? What is really going on here? But on the other hand, their explanation does, I, you know, I can't. I can't help but think they knew the plan because I always feel like the plan from the beginning was to justify raising interest rates. And that's what all the inflation was for. Like, so if Facebook is a CIA operation, they should have known and they probably have a purpose in firing all these people. But once they fire those people, a lot of like the startups that were starved for talent are now going to have the the workers they need so it'll it's actually probably good for the smaller companies which can't possibly be something big t they wants so yeah stuff like that i just always i'm always looking for the angle constantly and i would say so like i'm doing deep dives which is way way harder than i thought it was gonna be it's like i just really and i can't i i'm super busy and i can't no, I don't want to lose touch mm -hmm. with the people who who I've connected with and who listen to me and stuff like that. You can't just go away and come back a year later. So I have to keep it going. But um, half of the time, you know, it takes me a long time just to find a story that has a code to crack. So I can, so it was easy with the propaganda report because I could just, you saw exactly what I do. I just read the newspaper and I tell you what I think about each of the stories. Like what could the possible agenda be? Uh, I hate this stuff, whatever. Like these guys are not working in our interests or all of that. But, but now say I can, I can usually do it once or twice a week. I can usually find a story that's really really deeply agenda driven and totally disconnected from what they're telling us the story is about. Like the Pelosi going to Taiwan was one example, you know, through figuring out like, why is Pelosi in Taiwan for 11 hours? And then this whole, and it's a shame because I really don't know anything about semiconductors, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is all about building the machine that's going to control the world. Like, holy shit, like what the hell? 
So, so, you know, once or twice a week, I can find like the, the hidden hand behind a story, but I used to be able to see in every story, you know, the spin that promoted the agenda. So you, you have the real, the facts maybe, but you have the spin that promotes the agenda is always, always there, which makes all the propaganda, all the news, a tool all the time. But on the other hand, the fact that that they just keep it pumping so hard is in itself evidence that it's just propaganda. Because if it was true, you would not have to say it more than like once or twice, you know, used to have the evening news and they would just tell you what was going on. Granted, they would spin it, but it wasn't designed to drown out your own thoughts. So I feel like the proof is in its intensity that it's designed for more than communicating with thinking people I mean, even your classroom doesn't, well, the, some of the public schools do do this. But when I look at my kids who are in the private schools, which are full of wokeness and all that kind of stuff, however, they have, you know, these people who are getting prepared to be the leaders, they're still learning Shakespeare and stuff. Like they are really learning it. So, um, and they don't blast Hamlet at them every day, all day long, like, you know, to be or not to be, to be or not to be, to be or not. They're not doing that. They're teaching it to them. They're testing if they learned it and they're moving on because that's what information, you know, that's what learning is. But this constant like fire hose of CNN and Fox and stuff, I think is, it's obvious what it is just because of its, you know, the its format, I think. Well, they, they have to do it like that because they got to fill 24 hours, you know? And they can't let you pause to think. Yeah. So when I'm driving, I missed the, during lockdown, it was a bummer because I used to drive my kids and I would get to talk to them on the way to school. And then on the way home, I would listen to the news. And if it was really a lot of time in the car, you know, even now, sometimes I'll just, if I'm driving, I'll turn it off. And won't put radio on or anything. And I'll just reflect on what's happening in my life or whatever. And it's just something about like when I'm waiting online, I'm totally impatient, but when I'm driving, I can just think it's really weird. I think there's something about like seeing the world go by that like shuts, that keeps something occupied while the rest can really think. And so when I think about this stuff, I mean, I, I have time to digest it all and make sense of it. But like, if you're my mom, who I love, but she'll, she's in the habit of keep, like, she gives up TV for Lent because it's just always on. So she's always got, it was Fox. Now it's O-A-N-N or Newsmax. It's always, always, always on. And just when do you get to digest it? It's Maybe like having even... like a Chromebook instead of a laptop, you know, MacBook, like a Chromebook. That's a really no good memory. point. <laughs> yes. That's a really good point. And I think that's really what's missing in today's world, everything's so crammed in. We, there's no visual space. Everywhere you look, there's a sign, there's an ad, there's something running along the bottom of a screen, whatever. Uh, the kids are constantly being scrolled at. Uh, they, they never get a chance to reflect, you know, be still and know the voice of God. When is that ever going to happen? Um, even in the shower, they, they now have waterproof speakers, so you can take your shit in the shower with you, you know. It's, it's just ridiculous. There's no time. Well, you have to stop and reflect. And and listen to things like the soundtrack of the world, like water, waterfall, the wind blowing through the leaves. That's the stuff that's going to keep us sane. But a lot of there's a generation that aren't even really going to know that. Sadly. See, that's the value of the red pill. Like I was saying with the tunes, is that there's no if you're blue pill, there's no hope you'll even think to stop and smell the flowers. Yeah, totally. And I think um, you know. Th a lot of people say, yeah, I'm really black-pilled. Well, yeah, okay, I, I confess, I'm guilty. You might call it black-pilled. I call it aware. Um, I'm a realist. I'm practical. I don't think about things like, oh, I wish I could go back and be blue-pilled and be blissful again because I, that's not the way how it is. You know, I just deal with it the way it is. And I think if you can look at things and break them down to black and white, even though things aren't black and white, if you can break them down to a root level of, Things are generally <laughs> come down to a choice. They're either good or they're bad. You know, if they're black and white, it's easier to pick a side. 
It's possible that what looks like blackpilled is just a complete, total acknowledgement that the facade is a facade. So it looks like you're blackpilled because you're completely rejecting the entire facade. You can't find any value in it whatsoever, but that doesn't mean that there's no value in, you know, the human being in this, in the pursuit of knowledge in that fifth dimension that I'm looking for. It's just to reject the facade is, I think it's reasonable, but that's why, and I think that's a good, something that y'all are probably in a great place to tease out is what's the difference between a black pill, you know, what's the difference between having no hope and recognizing the system as a facade in its entirety? Because you're not hopeless, are you? No, that's what I was just going to say. Being black pill doesn't mean you have no hope, and I don't know who sort of decided that, but that's like the definition of it. Yeah. What? Well, okay. Well, yeah, it depends on the definition. It depends on the translation, doesn't it? Everybody's individual translations of a situation is what gets us into a mess sometimes, isn't it? But, um, yeah, no, I I don't think that being black-pilled is um, being hopeless at all. And I think it actually breaks things down to simpler forms so that you can actually find your hope. It becomes clearer where the hope is because if you're fairly clear about black and white, you can see the hope. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Union of the Unknowns. You can find new episodes every week on all your favorite podcasting networks.